Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find today's tennis discussions. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. For the last five-plus years, I've been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you will hear on our Thursday's broadcast? Well, the almighty willing, at least once a month, you will continue hearing either Dr. Alan Fox or Coach Chuck Reese. Other, uh, excuse me, other mentors sharing their knowledge on Thursdays have been, like today's uh, mentor, Coach Ashley Hobson, uh, Coaches Bobby Bayless, Dr. Bryce Young, Ed Kraft, Johnny Angel, Nick Saviano, Scott Williams, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Besides these coaches sharing their knowledge, you may also hear other coaches or high school tennis coaches or USTA, PTR, USPTA heads, as well as leaders from tennis and racket sports organizations. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each week you will hear my biased views on North American tennis and life. I would like to thank Yellow Ball CEO J.P. Weber for hosting the program in on our network. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen anytime you choose to any of the programming on the Yellow Ball Network. Besides our Thursday's conversations, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously stated, if you disagree or want to comment, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E, dot F-H-S-T-C-A, at att.net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida Tennis Magazine or hear them on future broadcasts of Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings. It wouldn't be the first time. By the way, if somebody has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, I guess that would be hard to do now with most of them closed, but they're starting to open up. Or you're not a, <coughs> excuse me, a subscriber, you can always read the last issue of Florida Tennis Magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. That's www w dot capital f for florida capital t and tennis at dot com or in between issues you can read jim march or myself and the other writers uh on facebook in between issues we try to keep you abreast of what's going on in between issues and uh, if you go to capital at facebook at capital f capital l tennis you can find us there. So I think we have a outstanding broadcast today. We have a mentor who I've been blessed to have known for a while, <clears throat> and truthfully, who has assisted uh, us when I was doing the training for the Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association. Uh, him and his students have uh, blessed us by coming up there. He's a great gentleman. You're going to enjoy him. But meanwhile, let me go to my commentary while we uh, wait for uh, Coach uh, Ashley Hobson. He'll be right with us, I'm sure. My commentary today is, why is tennis the least traveled road to be, 
being a competitive professional athlete. In the coming summer issues of Florida Tennis Magazine, my article, I asked the question, will high school and college tennis be the same? While we do not know yet the future of high school or college tennis this fall, or even in the near future, I guess, a bigger question might be, whatever happens, will it have an effect on ATP or WTA professionals? In previous articles and commentaries, I have shared suggestions, uh, compliments, uh, disappointments of the FHSAA, NHSAA, NCAA, USTA, the USTA Florida section. But I wonder if the solution is more than an American or a PTR fix. Is the solution a worldwide problem? And is it just a matter of time before it becomes like high school and college tennis? I pray not. You have often heard or read my views on the game of tennis being a game of time and the importance of this resource as a player or a coach. I admit that selfishly I often thought of this as an American problem since one can look at players in baseball, basketball, and football and see a player barely in the top 50 and maybe not even there and making millions of dollars while the athlete playing tennis is struggling. But tennis is a world game, and while some of those top-tier players might be helping those up-and-coming young players, is it not time for the other organizations to examine the problem? Or maybe it's time for us to be more involved, but I think we should do something about it. And time is uh, is really a non reusable resource, and we, do, we should address that. And tonight, uh, we are going to address it. Matter of fact, I think I see our mentor on now. Uh, and uh, let me, uh, before I get him, just tell you a little bit something uh, about our mentor uh, this evening. is Coach Ashley Hobson. I've been blessed to have known him for a few years. Uh, he's... Uh, the tennis director uh, at Inspiration Tennis Academy. And if uh, you've never been there, uh, it's really a special place. Uh, I will tell you that. But for tonight's conversation, he really fits into what we're talking about because he has 30-plus years of ATP, WTA, ITF coaching experience and in over 60 countries as well as being both the Davis and Federation Cup coaching experience. So, like I said before, time is a non-reusable resource and should not be wasted. And while we are looking to grow our game of tennis, we cannot overlook the solutions of competing with other sports for the best male and female athletes. We can't afford to keep losing athletes to uh, – other uh, sports. Uh, admittedly, I have a biased view on this. I have two grandsons that are looking to be pro pitchers, uh, both playing college uh, baseball now. I would have loved to have them play the college tennis, but uh, you can't win them all, and who knows what the future is going to be. I think it's all of ours uh, advantage that we address this now. And naturally, the views expressed might not reflect those of Block Talk Radio, Florida Tennis Magazine's older advertisers. They're simply my biased views. One of the great things about no longer being in the Marine Corps or uh, being in the the police department no more is I don't have to claim that I'm not biased and I... uh, and apolitical because my own biased views is that we are all biased. So that's the nice thing about this broadcast. I can uh, just be myself. Ashley, are you there? Hey, John, how are you? I'm blessed. Thank you. Yourself? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Well, <laughs> thank you. It's you that I should be uh, thanking. You're the, you've always been there uh, for tennis, and I, I, I don't know if you've heard my commentary. I, I mean, uh, I don't know if I'm uh, off base or not. I'd like to have your input on that, and that's the main reason that you're here. But uh, and I uh, I'd like to go through just a couple of things first. For for instance, I think part of um, not just because of this time, but uh, you really don't see the amount of playing uh, in my biased views. Uh, you know, competition is not a dirty word. It's it's important and it's. It's something we need, and I noticed that you had the UTR tournament last week, and you have some more coming up for the summer. Matter of fact, it looks like you have most of the summer uh, tournaments. uh, Why do you feel you need to run those uh, tournaments? I'm sure it's not because you're looking for more things to do. but Um, Yeah, thanks, John. Um... You know, I just uh, think with this, uh, with the, you know, they say with every crisis comes an opportunity. So I think, you know, we're running a lot of UTRs uh, from May. We ran one last weekend and we're running May 30th through July 25th uh, UTRs, you know, every weekend. Uh, we just don't see anybody else in the area running them. And I think uh, for the next while until we find a cure for for the coronavirus is uh, – you know, we we got a tennis is going to have to be, you know, really community community program. You know, so I'm trying to you know really revitalize tennis in in terms of uh, competing and and uh, training in 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 our little area. Um, so, you know, I was like thinking uh, there are a lot of players looking looking to compete, and you know, yeah, you're dead you're dead right. We we put seven hours or eight hours a day on the court every day. If we don't need to do this, but uh, you know, people, we're just doing this was, I think people are looking to compete and are actually dying to compete. We had one uh, well, last weekend and uh, that worked very well uh, with the new Corona guidelines. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we didn't have parents and you know, looking at this, uh, couldn't come inside the facility, but they were welcome to watch from the outside. Right. I think repetition is important. There's no two ways about it. It's how we teach people to read, how we teach the the first uh, part of that. Uh, but there, I also think that uh, competition, uh, it, it seems like in recent years we've given it a, a bad name. And I think competition is important. And looking at your schedule that, you're just, you know, May 30th, June 6th, June 13th, June 20th, June 27th, July 11th, July 18th, July 25th. I just uh, so impressed that. And it's, it's I, I can't say it's unexpected because you've been given for years. You're given uh, when I tried uh, to get to Florida high school to be more competitive. You were right there firsthand when we wanted to get coaches trained. Uh, you offered to sit there and, uh, you know, uh, work them in with your programs. And the, I, I think that the UTR tournaments are important, uh, you know, we to get people ready for the future. None of us know what the future is, but I think it's an important first step. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, definitely the UTRs are fantastic in terms of, you know, r- arranging competitive matches on, on the, at the same level and, uh, you know, just the, the ease of use of, of doing the uh, UTR tournaments. That's that's what I like a lot about them. And, um, you know, the fact that uh, I think we're going to have to compete uh, at least, you know, within our communities, uh, you know, for us being really the state of Florida, um, which is, a, you know, a very strong tennis um, state, but uh, you know, so last weekend we have kids coming. We had kids, kids coming in from Miami to play, so um, it, it's great because there's nothing else going on. So I think uh, you know that's what we're really trying to do. We're just trying to give opportunities for kids to compete. And honestly, I, I think uh, we had a 
uh, just a, a wonderful weekend, and, and everybody was just so glad to get out there again and compete. I'm just almost like relief on their faces that, you know, hey, this is a weekend we can compete, you know? Yeah, I think it's important, and as you know, I've been a UTR supporter for years. I think it's important, uh, but nothing is perfect in being you, you know, doing these pretty consistency, and we're going to be talking about you know, how, uh, what we can do to help get more athletes playing, competing professionally in tennis rather than pros. Do you see a connection here, number one? And number two, is there, what do you see that we could make this better? Because nothing is perfect. We, we should always be trying to make things better. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the connection for, for me is, um, you know, there was a couple of uh, pros in the Bradenton area who, you know, looking to compete, and uh, I think we're going to get a couple in the f- in the future. You know, um, the boys this weekend. I mean, with the winner, we got a thousand dollar tournament. The winner won five hundred, and the and the uh, runner up got three hundred dollars. That's almost better than the payment for the uh, for the f- men's and women's futures. You know, um, right. so you know. It was, uh, it was, and it's a way for me. I mean, I've always felt uh, very strongly, and that's why, uh, you know, we're going to talk with Javier Palenque, uh, you know, today a little bit. It's just, um, you know, the game has been so mismanaged and really so fragmented. Um, I'm, I'm just trying, in my small way, trying to, uh, you know, create, uh, you know, monetary opportunities, monetary opportunities, and and uh, playing opportunities for 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 young serious tennis players, um, I think uh, I think the UTR could be you know a way to go. I think uh, I see a lot of people organizing it around the country, um, and uh, I, I just enjoy the uh, the entrepreneurial spirit really of, of the UTR system. Great. Well, you know I think we forget that our organizations are important, and and I think. Uh, and the last uh, d- during this uh, coronavirus, uh, they need to be uh, complimented uh, for stepping up, and I think uh, many of them stepped up and try to keep that going. But I also believe, uh, you know, we're a ground-up tennis success and growth was not a top-down uh, growth; it was uh, from the bottom up, and you you have been a leader for a lot of time and. I will say um, many coaches have stepped up, but I still think more, more than that have stepped up and done things. Uh, too many have stood by side and cried about the virus and what can we do and now you can't do nothing. And I've even heard some talking about getting into another profession, which might be a good idea. If you, if you don't love something, uh, <laughs> it's hard to do it. <laughs> Sometimes I feel guilty about doing this for so many years because I've enjoyed it so much. But I'm really impressed. I see yeah. you you're doing your summer camp again, and you you're it's a COVID summer camp. I love that Inspiration Academy Tennis COVID summer camp. But you've also put out guidelines. Would you like to go over that because I think that is so important. I mean, uh, yeah, thanks, John. Uh, the uh, well, number one, I think tennis has a great opportunity uh, uh, through this virus in terms of uh, being being a more of a, a sport more people play and more of a uh, of a sport people gravitate towards because of the distancing between players and the you know the lack of uh, you know um, bodily contact and. I, I think tennis can can uh, you know we could really make an, an opportunity out of this and and also I hope there's pressure put on the ATP, WTA, ITF to uh, you know grow the sport better and uh, give more opportunities for players through this uh, this this period. Um, obviously, uh, tennis is a is a great game for for this uh, uh, this this time in in the world. I think. And uh, hopefully, you know, we get to, instead of losing 80,000 people a year, uh, you know, playing tennis, we, we start to gain more people playing tennis. 
Um, I think, uh, you know, the guidelines we had this last weekend at the, uh, at the UTR we held, well, number one, the first guideline was, you know, we, you, you had to sign in at the gate, get your temperature taken. And then, um, you know, there's a sanitizing station and then you go on the court and, uh, there's there's three balls per match. We had six balls per match. So, uh, one person had their own, their own initial on the ball and they would just use those balls to serve the whole time. And, um, then, uh, there was, you know, we had a little bit more gaps between the matches. So when the matches came off, the players left, and then the other players came in and played. So, you know, there was a few minor um, adjustments. Uh, parents could, look, you know, look from the outside of the courts, but we have courts where there's a walkway in between. So we just stop, you know, uh, parents and coaches and the spectators from using that that walkway, but they could only go come in from the outside. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it worked extremely well. Uh, I just, you know, um, obviously we we're always looking to tweak things, but, uh, I, I thought it uh, worked very well. Um, nobody seemed to complain. I, every seemed to be very positive about it in terms of, uh, you know, the, the guidelines that they had to follow. And, uh, I think tennis, this could be a, this could be a, a watershed moment for tennis. And I, and I hope we all, take this uh, opportunity to, to help uh, tennis grow. Um, you know, that's honestly one of the big things about doing these UTRs during this time. We, you know, we don't want people walking away from the game. You said some coaches are walking away from the game. We don't want, you know, uh, you know, college players walking away from the game. You know, they get one more year of college maybe, college eligibility, or two more years of college eligibility, and, you know, suddenly they don't play for five, six months. All right. Yeah, I think that's going to uh, be something we don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Even this coming uh, uh, year, it looks like it's going to be a couple more weeks. I thought we would know more with the NCAA this week, but uh, I'm told uh, everybody is keeping things on schedule the way they are, but uh, uh, not making commitments, but... <laughs> With the NCA, are we going to be cutting uh, programs to be Division One or not? Uh, we got a lot of uh, questions, and and I this year our high school seniors. I, I think there's questions here because and yeah. uh, you have coaches that have the team where they've extended the eligibility, uh, so uh, these people have another year. So what kind of opportunities are there? Uh, I I do think that um, these people, if you're considering going back to college or going on, uh, these UTR tournaments are important. But I also think, and I'm going to uh, actually uh, share uh, your, uh, just because I love that inspiration, Ken, uh, Academy Tennis COVID summer thing, but I love the fact that you lay out, uh, and I and I think this is important that what you mean, what each people you've limited to forty uh, uh, campers this year, and uh, that are going to be daily campers, and they, you're laying out what they are, and I'm going to share that uh, uh, on uh, the FHSTCA and the Florida Tennis. Uh, magazine uh, Facebook sites because I, I think we've got to let these, a lot of people know. I hear too many people saying we don't know what's going to happen. It probably isn't going to do nothing else. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think we, we've got to prepare. We've got to remember that you have to keep preparing. I mean, no matter what it is, if it's, uh, you know, in your home, if it's in business, if it's in sports, uh, it, it's how you prepare that's going to make it a successful home or a successful business or a success uh, in the sport you're playing. So I am going to um, share that. But let's go to um, my commentary. Your thoughts, and I, well, like I say, that's my opinion. I am opinionated. Uh, but I do have biases. 
Uh, do you think I'm off base? Uh, what's your opinion on uh, why we lose too many athletes to other sports? Um, you know, my number one thing is uh, kids. Kids are pretty smart. You know, by the time they're 12 or 13 years old, they've figured out that, you know, say they started playing tennis at, you know, between 5 and 10 years old. So by the time they're 12 years old, they, they kind of figured out, you know, if they can make it to be a professional athlete or not. By the time they're 13, they're, they're 14, they, 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 they know, you know, um, they may not admit it. They may try to keep their dream alive, but, you know, only having 150 players being able to make a living out of tennis on either side is just it's a it's, it's just so difficult to to maintain the dream of you know okay hey work extremely hard six hours a day five hours you know five days a week you know you're putting in 25 hours to you know 30 hours you know whether you're working out or training or mental training or on the court it's just a huge time commitment and you know, and people, you know, they figure out, you know, hey, and then, you know, you say, okay, hey, with all this training, it's going to cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. And then afterwards, you know, you got four years, the carriage is four years of college tennis and, you know, four years and then you're done. There's no, there's no, nothing past that. You know, it's just, to me, it's just this, if, if, if you had a, you know, a, a, a pool of say 500 tennis players who made, you know, just a decent living, you know, not even, you know, I'm talking about, you know, $70,000 a year and number 500 in the world. If they made that, you know, they rec- you know, recoup some of the losses they spent in uh, the years of training. It's just, the kids are smart. They can figure out that there, there's a, there's a chance to, you know, make a living out of this, you know, do it for 15 years and become a coach, become a director, become a, administrator you know that would be a good chance but there's just there's just the 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 end game is is just too small for the kids and they figure this out they're not the kids kids are not dumb they they figure it out it out fast and and this is to me this is the key reason why we we can't we have a hard time growing the game you know playing basketball you know there's there's tons and tons of kids, kids who are playing, but they're like, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to play in the NBA. And, you know, oh, well, you know, how many people, you know, play on the team? You know, there's hundreds of players who play on teams or in different leagues right. around the world. I mean, it's just, we don't, the, the, top of the, the, the top of the pyramid is just not big enough. I agree. I think that's the biggest thing. I know, and money is always a factor, and there's always, you know, I hear the complaints about a country club uh, uh, sport, and you know, only so many people can uh, uh, play it. Uh, But but, uh, you know, I, I I think there's enough kids out there who are athletes and who will put the 25, 30 hours a week in there, and I, and it's costly. There's no uh, two ways about it. It's time-consuming. I know uh, when my daughter with two uh, baseball players, you know, uh, two years uh, apart, uh, you know, uh, she not only spent a small fortune on them with the training and coaches and uh uh, camps and traveling all over the country, and but should they also, uh, and their high school, you know, contributed besides building batting cages at their home and pitching cages at their home. Uh, they did that for the high school too to make everybody else around them better. So I don't think it's that so much. There's enough people, and that's my opinion. But I think the big thing is, where's the opportunity to go? I mean, uh, her playing high school tennis, her husband used to come down before the kids went to school and help me and with tennis, an outstanding uh, tennis player as well as an outstanding baseball players. But by the time the kids were going to high school, in the high school they realized that, you know, baseball was going to be where – their dreams and where they think they're going to make a living in and not in tennis. So 
Yeah. I, I'm not sure how we address that. And is it uh, is that a USTA problem? Is it a professional tennis registry? Is now a worldwide organization? Uh, but it, it, I, I, it's not just an American problem, I don't think. No, not at all. Um, you know, I, I really think this is a, it's a global problem. Um, and it stems from the, uh, you know, the, the organizations, uh, you know, uh, Javier is coming on, you know, causes the big seven, you know, the Grand Slams, the ITF, uh, um, and the, uh, the national organizations. Uh, it's just, um, this just needs to be, there needs to be coming together and a decision making that, you know, we need to make this pie bigger, um, and uh, you know, I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, last year, last year with the um, the, the so-called new tour that they were going to try and bring out, it was a disaster, and they were trying to make the the uh, the pie smaller even. So it's just um, you know, tennis is going to die if we if we don't make it a sport where you know people can make a living out of it, and and there's a chance for players. Um, that's my opinion, and you know, I feel extremely strongly about this after so many years um, and it's you know working for you know 35 years in the trenches and watching players you know work I mean give up their childhoods to, to train um, you know 25 hours a week and then you know they get to only the only reason they you know that is the only level they get to is college level and they're extremely good tennis players I mean I don't think there's any other sport around the world where you have to work so hard to get a college scholarship I mean, put, as put in as many hours. I really don't think there are. And then you, um, you know, four years and you're done. And there's there's no future. There's no chance unless you, you know, extremely extremely good. Um, and even you know, the t- players and the challenges in the futures, they're they're very very good players. They've given up their lives for this. And they're just the return return on investment in terms of. Uh, time investment, energy investment, monetarily investment is too large, and you know the kids figure this out. It's just not worth it. I agree. I see. I think we have Javier here. I always kill his last name. It's been a year since I've had him on a broadcast, and um, uh, I know I'm going to butcher his. I think it's Palinquew. Is that how you pronounce it? That is correct. Javier, I mean, are you there? I'm here. Have you been, uh, had, have you been listening uh, to our discussion or read my commentary? Uh, I, I have, like to have. I have. I have. The last part, and of course, you know, I, I think the more people are aware that this is a problem that only we can solve, the better it is, and and that is very very important to to understand. Okay, I agree with yeah. that. I think yeah. uh, the more people get the people involved, how do we do that? Well, I think I think we need to. The, the, there's many. I have many uh, visions and ideas on how and what we need to do. But we need to have our come to Jesus moment together. And this is important uh, because as a father, I feel divorced from the whole process because of the process, how it is, how coaches treat you, how the whole system is set up, which is wrong. Because of that, I got super involved. And that has its benefits, but it also has its problems. Then if you go with the coaches level, I think we collectively, when I say we, I mean the organization that rules tennis, the coaches that deliver the tennis, the kids and the parents fail to have a general common language so they understand what it is that they're in for. The more you study tennis, you will realize, and my theory is this based on, I'm in my office, I have about 500 books of tennis. I read almost every book you can imagine published. And I read it not because 
uh, I wanted to be a professional coach. I read it because I wanted to get all the knowledge and be able to deliver it to my kids' team, my local kids' team, the local coach, and help so those kids have a great experience in that short amount of time. And this is something that I concluded and learned. The kids' development has three stages. And the reason I'm telling you this is because it's really important that if we all had this common understanding, then it's a lot easier to all pull in the same direction, right? The first stage the kids have is the coaches have is the obligation to make the kid fall in love with the sport. Now, this is really important, and it's really important, and you would – you may disagree how how long that period is, but that's the first stage. So the first stage, these co- these kids and parents have to be exposed to is to know how long is that falling in love process. I think it's up to 12 years old. Now, of course, it's way lower if you want to be a college star and lower even if you want to be a superstar, right? The mm-hmm. problem is, and I'll give you this example, the problem is that coaches don't like to work with that first initial process that they may be unconsciously unaware of. And so the, so the coaches separate themselves at the beginning with, well, that's just a recreational, we do the competitive. And that's, in my opinion, wrong. Because, quite frankly, first you make the kid fall in love, then you fix all the technical flaws. That's another problem because the earlier coaches may not have the best technical skill, right? right? And so the second stage, the second stage is the technical skill. Hopefully that's implanted at the beginning, but it isn't. And then the third stage is the competitive part, the part in which you really have to learn and fight to compete. Now, this system that I'm describing to you would do three things. It would unite the players, the parents, the kids. It would put him under the same direction. Imagine a highway. It's the same highway that's going to take you from point A to point B. That's the same highway. But coaches and parents don't want to take the same highway. They want to take shortcuts left and right. And the problem is that coaches and parents and even the USTA, they don't really know what is the right path. And you could determine this by just knowledge. Now, of course, if you have a superstar kid, you're not gonna, he's going to fall in love way sooner. But if you burn the kid, you're going to burn him out, and you're going to lose him at 14, 15, which is when you actually don't want to lose him. You want him at that age wanting to participate more, so he wants to go out with the girls and meet other people and have competition, and high school's going to start soon. So you need to build the base based on education. I don't think we have that. And so I will tell you myself, I went to my our local coaches. I'm like, we started to play team tennis with the team that didn't play tennis that well. But my kids loved it. He loved going to the competitions. He loved fighting. And his other coach would say, why are you wasting your time with that? And I would explain the reason. I'm not wasting the time. He's falling in love with the sport. And if he's in love, he will do the hard work. If he's in love, he will do the training. If he's in love, he will get the results. He's not trying to be the champion of the world at 10. And this is the beginning of the problem. And then the second problem becomes when now you got now you're really good at ten, eleven, twelve because we don't have this system, right? And this system is basically how do you design a supply chain? A supply chain that keeps people employed, the coaches, the clubs, the entrepreneurs that own the clubs or the schools that hire the, the, the coaches, right? But at the same time it gives a path for the kids. The system is designed to pick the best and the wealthiest. And those two things don't match. Because the I, best I, is not the wealth. I'm not, Javier, I, I have to interrupt you because I'm not sure. I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm not, I don't know if I agree that we have a, a system there. I mean, the USTA and the fairness 
you know, they have a tenant on the program. I mean, I have problems with them changing names and, and the tenant other program was another name, and then before that it was actually an ITF program. It came from Europe before it came to the United States, and the yellow balls and all, uh, green balls and all that stuff. But I, I think we do. I mean, my uh, my wife reminded me years ago. I used to tell the parents said I can't afford a divorce, so. I didn't schedule any – when she ran her 10 and under programs, I could not take a speaking engagement someplace else because I had to be there for that. And I loved every minute of it. I loved it. So I think, to, in fairness, there are these programs. I mean, years ago, I used to go to the schools and train the PE teachers and everything, introducing them. To, uh, to to tennis, and I coached high school tennis for 20 years. I, I'm not sure I, I can agree with you that we're not introducing them, but why are we losing them after they're introduced? I mean, for where we live, you know, we have never had no problems getting – uh, young people in, involved in tennis, and when I coached the high school, I had three quarters of my high school team there as assistants helping them because while you're having fun with the younger kids, you're learning yourself. Oh, and you're, so I I agree with the fun process. I agree with uh, you know where they're individuals, but I I'm having a hard time with. We're not getting the people into tennis at that young age. I, I don't see that. Okay, I mean we can we can disagree. Maybe it's a local thing in Miami. I can tell you the the quantity and volume is is not there. And if you it's don't not there. recruit, that surprised me. And if if you don't recruit them at that age, it's very hard for a kid to want to start at around eleven, twelve. Because basically the system has already bypassed them, right? Uh, he, right. He's well, in the 10, 12-year-old, and he I doesn't want to start with mm-hmm. No, I, yeah, I agree I, with I that. I agree that the, we need to get into the schools and we, we need to uh, promote tennis as a, as a serious sport other than just, you know, hey, a country club sport. It's not a country club Correct. sport. It's a, it's a sport for everybody. And also the fact that, you know, we, you, you, know you have – um, basketball and baseball and football are, are, are sports, you know, to every nose. And nobody knows these are sports in America. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a foreigner, so I see this coming into, you know, into, into the country. And I'm seeing, geez, no, there's no tennis here. There's no real tennis teams. I know they have ten, high school tennis, but it, it's very, very localized, uh, John, as you know, and it's not very, you know, competitive. Um, I, you know, when I was in, I grew up in South Africa, and we we had mini tennis with the paddles and the and the little mini tennis balls, and they call it now, you know, uh, pickleball. But we had that in the 70s, and it came off the the Czech system where we had a you know a smaller court and and a ball. So we were like like tennis. We were like five or six years old already. So I think we're missing it, you know, in the uh, tennis is not being promoted in the schools at all. Um, and I love what Javier says about passion. I think, uh, Javier, the, the one key thing about, you know, the passion part is, is the coaches don't, you know, nobody, the coaches don't coach with passion. It's all about the, you know, the bottom line, which is the dollars. And, you know, I, just, I think we need coaches to coach with the passion and not just look always at the bottom line. I, I, I get so frustrated um, personally, you know, having run national program and having run a, um, you know, in in China, I had 350 kids and 40 coaches, and I was like, you know, if you if your sole endeavor in life is to make money, I don't know why you chose tennis coaching. <laughs> so yeah. I think sometimes we get, well, the, we the, get the wrong yeah, people. Me, to do it. We need that. to have the passionate people doing right. the passionate people coaching tennis. You know, those are the people that you know drive and make people thrive. And even at the high school level, it's a problem because. You know, for years before you were able to start practice, the three months before, I ran the first Wednesday of the month in September, October, and November were parent-player meetings, and I tried to push that, 
when I was ran the Florida High School Tennis Coach Association, they said, well, how did you get your school to pay you for that? Well, the school doesn't pay you for that. The school pays yeah. you for when there's seasons, when the FHSAA says you can start practice. I even right. actually turned in. People said he don't, really doesn't run a no-cut program because he hasn't signed a contract. Well, that's what those three months were for, so we got to know each other and love each other and uh, be able to share and help each other. But are you going to get paid for that? I can't help you get paid for it, but I agree with you. If you don't love what you're doing, then you should find something else to do. Well, but let me let me get you back in again, please. Yeah, but for example, I think the coaches, to their benefit, they have to do that because they don't have the volume, right? And so because they don't have the volume, then they have to go for that because then they can't make ends meet or whatever. So the solution to 90% of the problems is increasing participation. I have a daughter. I have a kid. I'm involved in tennis 24-7. And my daughter plays very well. She's, well she, she, she quit tennis. At the, she started at two. She quit tennis at the age of six, and she was fabulous at six. So I said to her, why did you quit? And she said to me, because nobody in my school plays. The point uh, is, the point nope. is, she didn't have a way of spending time with her schoolmates, and tennis wasn't part of that, and therefore she said, it's not worth it to me. Now, that is my particular case, but I can tell you if there was two or three kids there that would have played, that would be a different story. Now, here's another thing to understand the dynamics because it's really important to understand the cause of the problem. This is me, a parent who knows tennis and wants to guide him to tennis. You realize what the attitude is of a parent who has no idea about tennis. There is no chance they will ever come across it, much less know how to score it, much less invest in it. And invest, I don't mean just money, even their time to taking to and from wherever the lesson is. And so this is the this is at the core of the problem, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then another part of the problem is so everybody is like worried about uh, the, the 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 game and we don't have enough players, but we need to understand why we don't have enough players and what has happened, and so. We don't have enough players because the, the the organization that runs tennis fails to change as quickly as the demographics changed. And now we are faced with a situation that we have about 80 million millennials, people under uh, 36 years old. And under 36 means you probably have a child, I don't know, maybe age five, right? You know, 30, 30, the first child, maybe even older. 80% of the consumers and the populations are going to be millennials. These people have not been exposed to the sport. And therefore, why on earth would they even consider sending their kids to tennis? They wouldn't. It's not, it's, it's as if I told you, why don't you bring your kids to cricket? You would know that. I've never played it. It's not even in my choice set, even if it was across the street from me. Unless I needed somebody to babysit my kid, then I'll consider cricket, right? This is the problem. So the problem is that the organization failed to change, the USTA, failed to lead, and by now it's too late. So the solution is, in my opinion, that we need to get together as a community of parents, of coaches, and people that still love the sport enough to invest their time in the sport. Because if you're a young 22-year-old or 25-year-old, there's just not enough kids for you to devote your coaching to it. So you don't coach. Or if you do, 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 do it, you do it part-time. What you just said, Javier, I think, 
that gets to what the topic was today because these people are watching football and basketball and baseball and we don't have enough people watching tennis because there's not enough tennis at the Grand Slams is on Cincinnati, you know, before those tournaments. But if we don't have pros, women and men playing, then if you're not watching the pros play, I think that's going to affect the growth of tennis. I think that's where management has not realized what the the importance of having people out there that can make a living playing professional tennis, like playing professional baseball and professional football. When I first got involved with with coaching high school uh, tennis, I was president of the PTR Florida section, and all the pros were saying, don't let your kid play uh, high school tennis because it will ruin them for college and the professionals. And my position was, boy, everybody's not going to play professionally. But I did expect enough competition there that they would be keep watching. So these parents that you're talking about see that, the kids see that, and they want to play that. You know, you watch the NCAA tournaments or the Super Bowl or, you know, even the Southeast Conference uh, uh, football. They get $28 million to every college in the Southeast Conference. Uh, That's because there's an audience for it. So I think that, you know, to get back to the topic, that's important. I agree with everything you say, but I think somewhere, and I'm missing it, is beyond that, is how do we sit there and make it profitable? I know some of the big stars are helping subsidize some people coming up, but it's going to take more than that, I think. Uh, Ashley, what do you think? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to really try and cheat here and, and, and hear um, Javier. I've read all your articles and uh, over the last couple of years, and I actually emailed you one last night from um, Dan O'Connell, my childhood coach and a friend of mine uh, from 2013 about, about you know fair play in tennis and letting the Grand Slams you know pick up the slack in terms of it. So this is we're very uh, kindred spirits here in terms of. Uh, you know, trying to grow the game. And I, I, would, I think we're all agreed on the same thing, you know, in terms of, you know, the mismanagement of funds and uh, how it's distributed and, you know, the hundred clowns uh, at the top. Uh, apart from, you know, what you just, you've just uh, mentioned about the passion and establishing passion and then the coaching and then the competition. Um, and I'm going to put this to you. Um, what other ideas do you have in terms of, uh, you know, waking up this, waking up the tennis world and to to the problem. And I'm not talking about you know in the grassroots community or or your community. I mean, are there other ideas you have in terms of, you know, waking you know you know here, here my thoughts are you know I, I do know Craig Tiley at Tennis Australia uh, being a fellow South African, and I'm just wondering whether you know, and I'm sure he's heard these arguments before, but I mean we we need to awaken their uh, sense of, uh, you know, just empathy and, um, and, and even, you know, the, the, uh, the ITF and, and the various uh, grand slams. I mean, is there a way to go to these organizations? Uh, do we email the, uh, uh, every pro player on ATP and WTA to get their signatures together to get their emails? And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways where we can, you know, get this going in, in the right direction. Well, at, I'll at tell a, you at a quicker and a higher level, sir. Right, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you're right, and that would work. But I don't think the, those people uh, would do anything, even if, okay. if 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 they. I don't think that's their mindset, and and the thing is, they. I think what what we collectively fail to understand is the demographic shift, and I can tell you that the demographic shift is such that John 
kids don't want to watch somebody else play tennis. They want to play tennis, but they don't want to watch it. It's too long. It's too boring. And when I say kids, I don't mean all of them. Of course, there's the the upper echelon. They do want to watch it. Those are the ones that are going to see it. Those are the ones that are going to go to the college matches. Yes. But as long as we keep pandering to the 5%, the 5% continues to become smaller. So we need to pander to the 95%. And once you have a bigger mass, you will have plenty of players because of the mass to, that wants to go the competitive route, that wants to go to the high uh, training camps, high performance camps, who are going to go and move up in that direction. What has shifted is the demographics. The kids have shifted. The parents have shifted. The game has not. And that is uh, like a boat splitting in three pieces and expecting it to come together. It's not. So we have to think of the boat, it's split. How do we actually make it through? Because you cannot unite the boat again. Those times are long gone. And the key component for that is when women enter the labor force, back in the 70s, those women that were at the time 20, which means they were born in the 50s or in the 80s, that they were born in the 60s, right? They didn't work in the numbers that they do now, which means now the parents have different needs, which by default means the pool of kids has shrunk. The pool of time has shrunk. Everything has changed but the game. And so I see the only answer is to increase the level of participation. And until we do that, it's just going to continue to shrink. Now, you can do this if we work together and understand that this is the case. Because if this was a business and you're running, let's say you live in the Tampa area, who's going to buy your business because you're near or close a decade away from retirement age? It has to be a young guy or girl, whoever wants to buy your business, right? But these people don't exist. And they don't exist precisely because the whole system has skipped a generation or two. And that's why the numbers are smaller. And that's why the Grand Slams, if you pay attention to the Grand Slams, or any pro event, go look at the fans. The majority are over 50. Gentlemen, I don't know if you yeah. I don't know if you heard that, gentlemen. That means we have ninety seconds left. I don't know if we're gonna solve solve anything, but you could count me in if we could get people together or continue talking or anything because cause I just love it. Any if I could have about a twenty second comment from each of you. And then I just want to talk about the next broadcast. Go for it, Javier. Well, I just want to say every little step helps, but in order to solve the tennis problem, we have to solve it locally. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Okay, Ashley? Yeah, um, I see. Uh, I, I, I love uh, listening to Javier talk. Uh, it, it, it's great. And uh, John, thanks. Uh, I just would like to say that um, I see that you know, yeah, increasing participation. Um, for me, it's you know, there's a huge drop off in you know, loss of people to tennis, and uh, you know, to me, it goes back to the fact that you know, the, the younger kids, and I'm talking about you know, 12 through 15, they they see that there's no pathway. Um, to to the top because there are 150 people that can make a living. So, you know, from 12, to, I, this is the age group. You know, then I've done. I've, I've this is my whole career is is working with players. You know, at, at this age group and uh, with performance players. And you know, they they can get 
pretty fast. You know, hey, there's no future. Uh, you know, I agree with control. you, and I'm sorry. I thank you for joining us. I thank you for making an attempt. I think we should keep trying. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that uh, your input, I'd be glad to listen to, too, to have a civil conversation. Uh, the, the next broadcast will be uh, the first Thursday in June, and uh, we will have Alan Fox on, and uh, I'll probably address one of my commentaries uh, with him. Is, uh, the, is it the love of the game or is it the uh, hate to lose? Which one uh, was him? Maybe we'll find out what happened with him at Wilmington and everything and what his input is. Thank you all and have uh, tell your friends and please have a blessed week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.